This episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, www.l5rshop.com puts cards in your hands quickly and economically. This is Strange Assembly, episode 107, Legend of the Five Rings at Gen Con 2013. I'm Chris Stevenson, and I'm joined here today by two evil jerks who actually did get to go to Gen Con this year. Hello, evil jerks. Uh, yeah, one of those is Jay, one of those is Mike. I don't think you guys have to worry about keeping them separate. They're Chris sure doesn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be the, like we did last year, we have two Gen Con review episodes, uh, as it were. This one will cover Legend of the Five Rings, and the next one will cover everything else, basically. Hopefully, you know, Jay and Mike did interesting things. That doesn't sound like us. As opposed to me asking them questions like, what about this game? And them going, oh, we didn't even look at that. Which I suspect I'm going to get a lot of. <laughs> I mean, tell me at least one of you played Firefly. Uh, not only played it, I got a copy. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. It's it's awesome. I was, I was about to say, what are you guys doing next weekend, but... It's Dragon Con. Dragon so. Con, yes. Dragon right. Con. So, the weekend after that, right, on the calendar, play Firefly. Okay. But yes, Legend of the Five Rings. Now, um, let me see. You guys, in addition to doing the design team interview, which is Reese, and the story team interview, you played in like seven L5R tournaments, right? There were seven to play in? Well, if you count the drafts. Actually, well, there was a grinder, a second grinder, a main event, a second chance, although you can't really play in both of those. Right. There was the Invitational on Thursday, the... I was not invited to that. No, you were not. <laughs> uh, there was the Fudo versus Panku on Thursday, and then there was the Big Deck on Friday. But I know you I know you did not play a ton of L5R, but that's okay. You weren't the only ones not playing L5R at Gen Con. You don't say. I... I no, I do say, actually. Yeah, it, it, the attendance was markedly down. The number that people seemed to be fixating on, right, was that the Big Deck tournament on Friday had more people in it than the Grinder, which I think is very cool for Big Deck. People seem to take that very negatively, and while I think the overall attendance numbers were negative, I'm not sure how significant that one thing was, because that was the third Grinder, or the third Grinder, and I think that the first two Grinders... Like, they weren't even seven... I don't know if they were even seven rounds. So it was like people who were 4-2 were making it in, which is an awful lot of the field. So I don't know how... <laughs> there weren't a ton of people left, I suspect. Yeah. But I think the total main event plus second chance attendance on Saturday was 160-something. So what did you actually do L5R-related at Gen Con before we talk about the significance of what L5R did at Gen Con. My main playing experience was scrubbing out horribly in the uh, big deck tournament. Turns out just throwing a bunch of random fake cards, not so not so great a plan. 
as fun as it is. Yeah, they probably shouldn't be random. Okay, random is the wrong word. Hey, look, Broadfret, this was a fun card. Hey, look, Sneak Attack, this was a fun card. Hey, look, so-and-so, this was a... Am I at 100? Oh, good, I'm done. (laughs) Ah, yes, highly strategic deck building at work. But you were happy because you got to play rats. For some reason, that didn't work out well for me. Not only did I get to play rats... I did have one game where I successfully broadfronted. It was amusing. (laughs) (laughs) Did that win you the game? Uh, no. I was already at, like, negative 27 honor or something ridiculous. (gasps) Oh. Yeah, it'll be interesting to... the, The personality cost changes. I don't even know what that will do to old universe. It will make Shadowlands broken. Yes. Or something, right? Probably, yeah. It'll generally make unaligned stuff really good. Yes. Every other personality gets plus two cost. You guys still cost the same. Um, Yes, <laughs> I will take yeah. you, please. So, and I believe that you, Mike, were a punk and did not play L5R? You're incorrect. I was awesome and played Netrunner. Uh, counter argument, I heard your Netrunner record. (laughs) Fair enough, but in my defense, Kevin did just as bad. Literally did the exact, no, actually he got one more point than I did, but he scrubbed out the exact same round. Scrub-a-dub-tub, yes. But that's next, that's next time, okay. Right. So, so between the two of you, you had more L5R interviews than you had L5R tournament entries. Yeah, I was going to do one of the drafts, but by the time I got up there, it was filled up. So, and I think that's a a positive. Although the attendance in like the main Emperor Edition tournaments was not so hot, all of the drafts were full, more than full. A lot of, I mean, like the the drafts were just sold out. I don't think you were able to just walk up the drafts with generics or anything like that. I don't think anyway. I thought they only took generics. Well, sure. then you had to walk up with the generics well in advance. Yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens when I'm, you know, not there. Yeah, and the big deck tournament was very successful, so they have been changing up lately what that, you know, sort of alternate format tournament at Gen Con is. Is it going to be War of Honor? Is it going to be Legacy? I think that it's extremely likely that it will be big deck next year again. Yep. So... Or just to really mix it up, it'll be War of Honor big deck? God. Oh, let's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it will be interesting to see what the Ivory Rules changes do with uh, going back. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the big one, obviously, is that all your clan-aligned personalities now cost two more. Or your in-clan personalities now cost two more. Right. Oh, and then also you have interesting issues like Oh, Crane, your champion is now completely unplayable, instead of just two extra gold. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Hopefully they'll they'll uh, they'll go back and errata it. Um, I don't know if I want them to go down that path. Well, there's only yeah. going like, to be like a couple of cards I'd have to do it for, isn't there? I think it's more than a couple of cards that have been, over the years, made completely meaningless by there's all sorts of cards that reference wins i know you can actually they actually let you play with wins in big deck but yeah. i mean but there are okay there are cards that talk about gifts for the when you lobby for the favor 
Right. Well, I don't mean like everything, but big cards like clan champions that are unplayable simply because they're honor requirement. You can't blood money anymore. I don't know if in the context of big deck, any one personality is big. You've got so many to choose from. You've got like seven different clan champions and... But part of the fun for me would be getting to play, like, all the clan champions. Not strategic, I'm just saying for fun. Ah. Well, you're not going to CCG tournaments for the right reason. <laughs> you're not playing the right CCG. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about storyline things before we talk about environmental things. So, Akoto Kobe is the new Colot Master, is, is Master Rock. I guess I don't really have an opinion on that. Did you have story time? I don't even remember. Fudo beat Panku to the sadness of, if not all, then at least everyone who counts, by which I mean me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> although, although, since I've gotten far enough into editing it, apparently to the, the delight of the story team, who all seem to think that they would like Fudo to win... So you haven't made it all the way. Not all of them felt that way. Oh, okay. No, I have not Spoilers. made it all the way through that. The unicorn won the big deck tournaments, and we're allowed to pick anyone. So they picked. So he picked Jimin. That was Case, yeah. wasn't it? Case, yes, because um he was offering a six hundred dollar bounty to write a story to pick Jimin and Lucas Twyman. So he, he picked that one instead of the other bounty for uh, Hattori the Heartless? I have not seen a Hattori the Heartless bounty. I could have sworn there was. I don't know. I'm not saying there wasn't. I'm just saying... I was so far down, I stopped caring fairly quickly. Okay, then in the main event, a faceless Imperial deck won, and so an Imperial will be dispelling Panku. He chose to dispel... That's uh, Tom Kirschgesner. I think is how you pronounce it. I'm, I'm going to go based on what it looks like. Sorry, Tom, if, if Kirschgesner is not how you pronounce your last name. But he did not want to kill Panku, so Panku's avid, so Panku would just be dispelled. That could have interesting implications, because he, he was playing the Faceless deck. He only had two personalities in his deck. One of them was a crane, and the other one was a Tomosukihime. So that, I, I think, could be a pretty quick return to uh, legitimacy for the current the former governor of the colonies. What do you think? What crane was it? Kazuo? That's, of course, what Mike cares Kazuo. about. Yes! You'd only buy him if you're going to immediately use Besieged to increase your province strengths. Right. So, <laughs> I think it was just like, oh, it's a guy who's got five chi. So, yeah, the crab won the second chance tournament and i think that the the chosen crab was unspecified child of angry crab will become the new voice but then there was the 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 interesting stuff where the story team kind of opened it up with the top of clan egg picks because the prize as listed was pick who's going to find the egg and then either pocket it or pick a clan to use it on and the story team let them choose who they wanted to egg, and apparently put no restrictions on this whatsoever. So have you guys seen what the list was? I, I saw it. The only one I looked at was the crane. The crane got to pick last, because no crane made the cut. Yep. 
Right. Well, and of course, all the gossip I heard at the clan uh, at at Gen Con was about Nalish and uh, uh, what's your Chique. guy? Shake. Thank you. Nalish and Shake getting picked by each other. Yes, Greg and uh, John Seals were Greg Wong and John Seals were the top dragon and top unicorn, and they agreed to copy each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so Moto Taigo found an egg and is copying Shikei, and um, a Katsuki, whose name I'm blanking on, Yoritoko, uh, is going to find an egg and is going to copy Moto Nalish. It's going to be interesting to see how those turn out and what people want, because I, I don't know that happiness was sought i don't think that happiness in this traditional sense was sought with the unicorn dragon pick but i see the like the mantis spider mutual selections were yoritomo saigo and omegawa and i don't know how people are going to take that because theoretically what should happen is that those characters should then wreak havoc and just be really bad for the mantis and the spider because that's what the picks were supposed to be but i don't I don't know if players are going to be happy if that happens because all those guys are supposed to be buddies. So, and the the scorpion were able to use it on Paneki's disgrace. Does that mean that the egg? It'll be cop- a good disgrace. Well, yeah. Is the egg the copy of Paneki's disgrace going to like hurt the existing disgrace? Because it seems like what would happen with that is now it's just two Paneki's disgraces causing problems for the scorpion. But I am guessing that's not what the scorpion player had in mind. I don't know what's gonna happen with that i guess props to uh jeff Velade, the the crane guy who was picking last and could have egged anyone without any possibility of retribution and chose not to use it because that was the you know the top thing to do the top crab uh, is copying gaku <laughs> look why we've been there we we were there first so you know we're hipster crane yes I, again, I don't know what, like, what does that mean? Does that mean Gaku's going to cause problems for the Shadowlands? Or, because a crazy egg, egged Gaku running around doesn't seem like it's going to, you know, help. And I don't know. Or it's be very any weird. different. Yeah. Yes, or be any different. Well, it's obviously, you know, it's one of the prerogatives of winning. I uh, personally could have lived without ever seeing Gaku again, or any goblin in any serious storyline role ever again. But it's it's just kind of strange generally. I are all these eggs? I mean, it. I'm not. Is it going to dilute it? Obviously, it has to dilute the whole. Is being an egg nifty? Like these egged personalities. I don't know how they could possibly get the kind of story time that Tomago. Right. We just went from two over 15 years to what seven at once. Seven at once. Yes, because yeah. the the lion Tim Wells. Six. Why six? Because Crane didn't use it. Well, yeah, but there are nine. Actually, oh, no, actually eight, was, there should be ten. Yeah, that's right, because the Imperials got to use one, too. Mm. And I don't know if that, like, do you notice he picked K-Ray? So, yeah, the Imperials used it on the Scorpion guy, who wasn't he the one hunting Paneki's Disgrace at some point? <laughs> That'll be an amusing story. So eight eggs got used, so there are now five times as many uses of the egg as there were before Saturday at Gen or before Sunday at Gen Con. So, but setting aside dilution, there's just no way you can have that kind of story. Not you. You can't have every one of these 
turning into like the big plot point for that clan, especially since these aren't the day, these aren't the old days. They actually do, I think, plot out more in advance than they used to. I mean, like the Crane's big story in the Clan Wars was their civil war, which I think was not ever planned to happen. That happened. No, yeah, it was a tournament result. There was a tournament where the first place clan goes to war with the second place clan. Crane took both. Yes. Yeah. So that, like every what, what Crane plot in the Clan Wars was not a tournament result. What plot in Clan Wars was it a tournament result? Well, did they uh, did they do one for the egg? Was the original egg a? Uh, yes. Egg was a herald vote. Oh, herald vote. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't a tournament result, but it wasn't a a pre plan thing. I think that was a. Yeah, there was a vote. We hate the crane. So yep. goes back all the way to the beginning. Well, yes, because you guys were doing things like getting we're, first and second place as story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but still, can't we go back to those days? No, we're working on it. No, no, sorry, we're only going as far back as gold. Your guys' ivory cards look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I just want to balance. That's probably the most obvious statement I've ever said. Yes, balance balance is an objective of all. So, I, I don't know. So that it's we'll have to see how they go. There's definitely some interesting picks in there. How much it matters that they're interesting picks, we'll have to wait and find out. It's always hard to right. It's how, all about how the story team actually uses them and can they use them. Like, well, I mean, the point I was trying is like everything is so. Not busy right now, but the clans have things that they're doing. There are wars already planned. They get referenced in card art before, although I guess sometimes they get referenced in card art and then never show up. Because it looks like if you look at Gates and Chaos, there is now just a full-on hot war with the dragon and the spider versus the crab and the scorpion. So, you know, I don't know what happens with that. Uh, I don't know what the mantis are doing now. with the unicorn and the lion are off fighting the Yodatai. I'm not sure if the Yodatai are going to be around or not. I kind of look at it and I, I get the feeling like it's one of those things where it seems like they're going to be a big deal, but they're not really. They're just, they just are made to sound like a big deal for marketing copy purposes and then they go away six months later. Right. I mean, it looks like there's what, one legion of Yodatai led by Legolas? Yeah. And that's about it. And it's not even real Yodatai. It's people he, snagged and pretend are yeah so i feel that that might just be a thing where because it's when you look at the marketing copy for aftermath it's now which is the set after gates of chaos but before ivory edition makes it sound like they're moving towards the whole brother versus brother with the imperial heirs so Two brothers enter, one brother leaves. Well, because I think they're both going to be in the colonies and mm. doing whatever they're... Because, you know, apparently anything goes in the colonies. Uh. Well, Chris, what happens in the colonies uh, is still reflected over in Rakugan. Yeah. <laughs> what happens in the colonies does not in any way, shape, or form happen. So I, I hear the Crane players are really happy with that whole what happens in the colonies doesn't stay in the colonies things right now. Although I guess the crane Dasahina thing actually happened in Rokugan, so never mind. But <laughs> I hear you're really happy with it, Mike. With what? Sorry, I spaced not, out for a second. Not not being Jade Champion so we can get it again? Yeah, the Jade Champion having to step down. 
because the Asahina have been hiding the food always. Why it's the Jade Champion stepping down instead of like the Asahina Daimyo committing seppuku or something? I, I mean, your right. champion's in there saying like, well, you know, if you don't step down, we might have to disband your family, <laughs> which which seems what? a bit harsh. Yeah. <laughs> Why Why would they be hiding Fudos? That's the opposite of Asahina. Yeah, it sounded like your whoever the second Asahina Daimyo was was a moron get- pushover. Shadow of Disgrace is the name of the story, which, yeah, it was like after Asahina himself was gone, and there's some question about, oh, well, are people going to follow you since they were really personally loyal to him? And you have to demonstrate how you're really committed to pacifism. And apparently the way you're going to do that is by sheltering the Fudoists from the Brotherhood 600 years ago. And you've been doing it ever since. But There are times I'm glad I don't play L5R. <laughs> yes, but let's say, so speaking of people not playing L5R until Library Edition. Yeah. Which uh, obviously Mike uh, falls into the camp of. Faceless one and the faceless that faceless deck one because it had good matchups against Kalani's Landing and Lizard Wizards. It just would auto lose to to another honor deck, except he never ever ever played another honor deck because you know there weren't a ton. Although there were, I think in the top eight there may have been two Unicorn Battle Maiden honor decks and two faceless honor decks, or maybe that was the top sixteen. But there there actually were. Some around, but yeah, it was largely what you expected. I think the crab decks were heavily Berserker Blitz, but it's hard to tell because people don't post stuff and I wasn't there, but that feels like that's what it was because crab had a very, very good weekend as well. Lion had a lot of turnout and just fell flat. Scorpion, Crane... Dragon and Spider may as well not have been there. I think that they need to ban stuff because I I think not. I mean, the environment continues to be very unbalanced, and not more problematically, but making it really problematic is that it's unbalanced in like the exact same way that it was before. Coils of Madness has just emphasized; it's just exaggerated what was going on there before. And with the Ivory Edition power level stuff coming out, I don't know if anything's going to shake it up if they don't ban stuff. It's just going to be Kalani's Landing and Phoenix and Imperials and whatever metas against those you can come up with for the rest of the arc. If they Is don't. there a meta against all three? Well, probably not. Yeah, play one of the three and meta against the other two. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, probably... Lizard wizards with anti-faceless meta. That's what I maybe before JEK really JEK really got out there was doing better and 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 had a positive matchup against Kalani's Landing. And if you got help, you you can play in trench position if you really want. But you know you can cram some. There's a whole bunch of you know starting with ancient feud, but there's a whole bunch of meta things you can do against faceless if you're willing to dedicate the slots to it the question is that the the, uh, not the question the problem the thing i don't know if it's really a problem but the i guess the problem from a people won't actually run the meta point of view is that there really are never that many faceless decks at a tournament no matter how good it is because a lot of people just don't want to play with it especially when it's not a clan so it's not like you even have one clan worth of people going to it is that people just don't want to play the meta. They probably should play more. 
but they don't. Ancient Feud's good meta against Lion, too, because the Lion is usually either, whether it's Honor or whether or not it's Military, it's usually playing out of the, the draw cards for playing Terrain's box. So, you know, you're always, you'll have Terrain's to blow up. The big thing that you're doing against, it, it just completely shuts down Faceless. And there's a couple of things that you can play that will just be like, battle, take the province against Faceless. Because it's just all, almost all province strength busting, and then obviously presenceless actions. But, yeah, there are a number of clans that just don't have anything that they can do right now, I don't think. Some people are saying, oh, Emperor is almost over, and it feels like it is, but it's not. Like, a quarter of Emperor is still left. Yeah. European championships are still left. All of Winter Court is still left. Well, and traditionally, I mean, and this is why they initially pushed uh, Emperor back from the fall. Or, well, no, it wasn't. Uh, it was Celestial, wasn't it? Because it used to be that the base set came out at Gen Con. Yes, the yeah. base set came out at Gen Con. With Emperor, they pushed it back to the fall, except then there were production issues because the printer flooded or something. Right. And so it ended up releasing uh, at the beginning of the year. And this fall time has always been part of their problem. Like, part of the problem with their um, their cycle is that this has always been a really low point. For whatever reason, they I mean, they've clearly, right, they've taken the fall and they've tried to make it into a thing. Like, it's winter court season. And so you have cotes in the spring and winter court seasons in the fall. But people just don't turn out for the fall and winter stuff like they do for the spring stuff. I don't know. I don't know why, but it's just not even close. Do you think it would matter if they had some sort of unified... Do you mean generally or right now? Because right now, unless they do something to seriously shake it up, I don't think anybody's going to... If nobody really turned out from the main... Let's be realistic. Even if they shake it up, there's only gonna, you're only going to recover so much. Right. Yeah. You'd have to ban so much to get it to a different play state. And I think they should. I think that they should sit down and basically anything that they think... you, you think maybe we should get rid of this? They should get rid of it. Because... I don't really know that you're going to end up with a balanced environment again. It may be too gone, but at least make it a different imbalanced environment if it's going to end up. I think they should. I don't I don't know that they need to, but I think that they should just to make a statement and to shake things up as much as possible. They should do something that they have never done before and ban a clan aligned stronghold. They should just yeah. ban Kalani's Landing. Not that there aren't yes. other things in that deck that you can ban, but it reminds me of uh, when Magic had the affinity deck. And at some point, like, they banned a couple of cards, and it didn't really stop it. It just came back in a slightly different form. It was just as good. And and there was even extended time period there where they didn't want to ban things because they're like, look, you can meta against this deck. But you had to, like, dedicate your entire sideboard or, you know, a quarter of your main deck to metating against this one deck. And people just hated it. And it got to the point where... You can make all the arguments that you want, but it was showing up in their attendance numbers that like they needed to do something, and they they banned like eight cards from the same from one deck at least. And the big thing was that they banned the artifact lands because they wanted to make sure that whatever happened, it was dead. They wanted no one to have to play an affinity a deck again because the absolute worst possible thing would be for somebody to come back into a tournament and just play another version of the same deck. And one of the reasons you could do that is because that theme actually has another stronghold. Yeah. That's why you don't ban clan strongholds is because that is such a huge deal and because you can't, people can't just switch to another clan or they're not supposed to have to, right, in L5R. So, but 
Kalani's Landing or heavy elements from Kalani's Landing need to go. I don't know if you if you lose Kalani's Landing. I don't know if Kintsuki Judgment actually needs to go, but since a lot of people hate it, it probably should. Quelsa should get banned. That seems like a low-hanging fruit. The only thing that uses that is Lizard Wizards, so he should go. Karachu should probably go. I would say the Temple of Persistence should go, except that then there's no way to play Inquisitors. Temple of Purity, Purity, you mean? Yes. Did I call it Persistence again? Yes. Yep. I, did I mean, what you, what you could do to let Inquisitors stay while significantly dulling it is get rid of the minus four if you don't have an Inquisitor. Well, oh, yeah. Make the entire ability contingent on you. Now you have to play it at least, maybe not an Inquisitor deck, but you can't just play a completely random different deck out of it. Right. Enough people don't like Faceless that they should probably nuke Faceless again. They've done it before. The rhetoric has been pretty over the top because, you know, the internet. But uh, about like, oh my god, how could they ban Well-Tended Farm and then print Tsukihime's Chambers because it's another holding that produces one. Like, well, it costs three instead of one. It's later in the arc. God only knows. But uh, they should probably do something that personally... Again, in the let's ban everything and shake it up, just kill Journey's End Keep, just get rid of it. Journey's End Keep XP, get rid of it. Because the only two decks that people play out of that are no personality faceless and no personality, but I have lots of holdings that produce personalities. Neither of which are really what your core gameplay is. So just ban Journey's End Keep experience. (laughs) Gone. I'm cool with it. Is this severe? Is this more than you need? Yeah, but they should absolutely absolutely err on the side of going over the top well and, and the, the thing I, I, I somewhat worry for them for is just that this next set coming up like who's gonna buy it like i know there will be people who will buy it but i have to imagine it'll be significantly down because people are really it feels like most people are just waiting for ivory <laughs> uh, and, no no and yeah. this has always been the case of this particular set the set that's after gen con but before the next base set this set always ends up selling out because it may move slowly if people are... Well, actually, that's not true. This It's hard to compare the set sales. I mean, you can say after Gen Con, but the set after Gen Con, before Emperor Edition, the set after Gen Con was the first expansion of a new arc. Right. So really, if you go back before that, the set that you're talking about is is a set that probably sells well because people need to buy it for Kote season, because that's what it would have been, but then isn't worth anything, ultimately, because people get giant metric tons of it as prizes for Kote season. But, I, you know what, I don't know what their sales are. I would be I would be very surprised if their sales have not seriously suffered this year. Clearly, tournament attendance you know, has been definitely depressed. That's got the reflect in the sales numbers, and I don't know. Does that have to do with the sort of imp- you know changes slash improvements they're making with Ivory Edition? I you know they would had to have started they had to have started contemplating what they were doing with Ivory Edition before, right? That 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 stuff had to be thought of before you got to Cote season, which is where things really started to go off the rails. But even last Gen Con. You know, there were sort of power level issues creeping in. I think with 2013, 
is where things started to really stagnate and it was just like the decks that you think are obviously good are the decks that are really good and everybody is playing them and when you have stuff like Gen Con most of the factions still have a deck that good players will make the cut with but the problem is that the the power level disparity is now enough that it's just very entrenched when you look at the group of players at all, as a whole you just have a much better chance of making the cut if you play imperial or phoenix or mantis than you do the other ones we'll have to see what's up with crab crab did so terribly for reasons i cannot fathom at the very end of kote season but then they did incredibly well making the kind of gen con so i i don't know i don't know there's not a lot of gen con in our gen con review for l5r is there well i mean we went over the stuff for gen con but this is this is something i think is probably on everybody's minds is what what's going to happen in these next four months yeah, so Gates, the street date for Gates is in September, and then in something like November, Aftermath comes out, and at the same time that Aftermath is released, they're going to release, I think it's a matter of honor, which is the Learn to Play set. So I think for the first time ever for L5R, they are releasing the Learn to Play set with, or technically before, they release the base set, instead of waiting until a year later. That really can only help. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would assume so. Yes. You know, I, I, I was tempted when I passed by the AEG booth. I was like, "So, are you teaching these guys Emperor Edition rules?" I mean, he goes, "Of course, that's what you're going to have to teach." Them. Yes. But it's like you're, you're demoing this game for people, and it, in six months, the rules change like significantly. Yeah, I think you can still get a general feel of it. I that's true. I still think. I mean, this is when would I obviously if somebody wants to get in. It's it's foolish to start L5R at this stage of the arc and like try to be competitive in Emperor unless you've got somebody who can just loan you all the cards. Like going out and spending that kind of money is just not a right. good idea. But I do still think it's worthwhile to go by Honor and Treachery. To go by this product, it's got the two decks, you can play them against each other, you can get a get a sense of how the game works. I mean, there's going to be things that change, but I actually don't think that the things that are changing are things that are going to change the core feel of the game. Like gold pooling changing, that's not, like, people talk about it like it, the, the sky is falling. It, I, I don't think that really changes the feel of the game, which is one of the reasons why they're getting rid of it. It's a complexity that doesn't really contribute much. The personality costs change, but that's actually not really a change. That's actually easier. Yes, you just cost the guys like you were going to cost them. You just put the number on there that they actually cost. I yeah. No, I was just like semi amused. I mean, because they are still. You're right. The feel overall is probably going to be the same. I think the biggest difference in feel is just going to be that first turn or two in buying gold. We've got the and first we, turn back. Well, and we've had four years, and how many players have started in uh, you know Celestial or Emperor? where we're going back to a first turn that was never there before. Yeah, well, sort of. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be drastic or terrible or anything. I'm just saying that's going to be the biggest impact. Yeah, I say sort of because the... I mean, there is a first turn. The reason, game speed-wise, you're not quite going back a full turn because probably the the probably the biggest effect that the gold pooling has on the way the game works is that how you can buy holdings on turn one. 
Right. Well, and it's probably going to streamline a lot just because it's a lot easier to figure out what you can buy. Oh, yeah. The one thing that I'm kind of curious about to see how it goes is that there isn't straight-up gold pooling. There's, like, your gold pool still empties every phase, so you actually do have some amount of figuring out how to spend your gold if you're going to be spending gold during your your event your the action phase or if you've got one of the many many strategies that they're they are cropping around in in emperor edition that cost gold to like play the battle action if you have a battle action that costs 1 well unless you've got a one producing holding or a second battle action that costs one, you're still spending two gold on it. And so you're going to have situations, I imagine, where you, you're looking, you're like, well, I've got a two gold holding, go, uh, holding the producers two gold, and holding the producers three gold. I'm going to play my one gold cost strategy. I have other strategies in my hand that cost gold. Which one of my holdings do I bow? Because I don't want to bow the three producer and then not use it all. But I'm right. going to feel awful dumb if I only bow the two producer and then I need to play a third gold worth of strategy cards this battle. Right. Also, just looking back at coils and looking at what we've got now, I have this feeling that Yoritomo Kanaye is going to be nuts because he reduces the gold cost of actions on your strategy cards by one. That could just be an insane amount of gold over the course of a game in Ivory Edition. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. Anyhow. That's really neither here nor there. But I think Coils is going to be one of those things where it did not feel like a high-powered set when it came out, but when you look back at it in the Ivory environment, it's going to have some really high-powered stuff. Right. Except for my clan's uniques, they all suck. No. No, Um, that's not true. Just the ones that are story well, and even going forward, I mean, this is another benefit to them working on other things, on them working on draft, is that I actually enjoyed the last time we did L5R draft, and I, I'm happy to actually do that until the next edition, quite frankly. it's it, And draft's a really good way to learn cards. Yes, well, and if you look at, if you look at Gates of Chaos, it seems to me that for Ivory Edition, keyword stuff is drastically less. When you look at the strategy cards in Gates of Chaos, there are very few of them that reference keyword. There's a couple of courtiers. There's one that, like, one of the two actions on it only works on magistrates, but the other action works on everybody. And you saw this in in Torn Asunder as well. But it's really prominent in Gates, I think, just continuing that way, where, and at Common, at Common, your battle actions are basically straighten a guy, give a guy a force pump, give a guy a force penalty, and, uh... No, no, that's it. Straighten my guy. Nothing battles your guy, but you can straighten your guy. Force penalty, force pump. <laughs> uh, and play my terrain to destroy your terrain. So, I don't know. There's a lot of cavalry at common, too. Just kind of random. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll we'll see. I still have that stack of packs. I need to actually, you know, I'm sure that in between having a second child, I will... And, and playing Firefly. Oh, I'm really excited to play that game. It's it's a great game. <laughs> I don't know. So I think that's where we are for Legend of the Five Rings right now. Hopefully in the near future we will we'll be able to come back and talk about the exciting ban list they've announced. 
Well, starting on and starting on September first, they now have a schedule up for the designer diaries. So it's basically going to be every two weeks starting September first. So we'll have that to cover. I'm guessing Reese is going to want to come and do the follow up on things again. So I'd at least like to ask him about the timing of the releases and why uh, why Ivory ended up being a a January February release or whatever it is instead of a November release where Aftermath is is sitting now. But we await Ivory Edition. There you go. Yep. Shake it up so uh, things are different until we get to Ivory Edition. That's what we want. All right. Did you have any uh, final interesting observations? You at least go try to hang out with fun L5R people. Did you go to clan dinners, for God's sakes? There was no crane clan dinner. Yes, there was. It was on Friday night. What? No, I asked. We, the dragon... It saw that the crane had no clan dinner, and so a week or two before before the con, the guy who was organizing the dragon clan dinner, because obviously I wasn't there to do it, went over and said, hey, crane, why don't you come, and the dragon clan dinner can be the dragon crane dinner. Well, I did not see that, and that was, like, normally we've been planning that at least a month ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. just So it was so last minute. Yes, and you really should be planning it more than that. I mean, not that it... Well, I mean, and it's nice of them. It's a very nice gesture. Yes. So, we are awesome. But, <laughs> but the, um... No, I, I did actually get to meet a couple of people that were online only previously. So. Oh, okay. Benjamin Higgins, here's your shout-out. <laughs> yes. So, for... Jay Cook and Mike Earl. I'm right. That's right. That's your guys' names, right? How much have you been drinking? Jeez. He's, just, you... he's drunk on Fireflag board game. <laughs> For Jay Earl and Mike Cook, I am Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can check out more of Strange Assembly at strangeassembly.com or follow along on Twitter or Facebook. Pretty much anywhere you go online and search for Strange Assembly, we will be there stalking your every move. Please don't get a restraining order. You can also contact me at chris at strangeassembly.com. We always love to hear from you. And until then, never stop gaming. 100 Unique Squeaks.